This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, as always. Shane told. So good to have you on this fine Tuesday. We have a great episode. Whitney Payton is here. She is super rad. So happy to have her. Thank you to her for taking the time. If you're not familiar with Whitney Payton, get familiar. She is awesome. She's making incredible music combining hip-hop and rock and punk and emo and all this different stuff. She's collaborating with all these different artists from all different walks of life. So cool, and I'm so happy she could come on and share her story of, of how she got thrown into this whole crazy thing. Before we get into that, thank you everybody who listened last week to Bradley from Amorosa. He's a good dude, and he's dope, and it was great to have him. Thank you, Bradley, for doing it last week. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, it's super easy. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my emails. I try to write back to everybody. I'm not the best at it, but I do read them all, so please hit me up on there. Also, I want to remind you guys to like our Facebook page. It's it's under new management, so to speak, which means I'm not really running it. I've got some very awesome people running it. Shout out to Neil, Julia, and Melissa for killing it on there. We're doing Meme Mondays. We're doing Throwback Thursdays. We're having great discussions on there. So please check it out. Get on Facebook, search for Lead Singer Syndrome, and like that shit. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. I also check those pretty much all day long. And if you're not so happy, we have the hate line. 657-666-HATE, H-A-T-E. Give me a call, leave me a message, a voicemail, if you will, and let me have it. Let me know if you're not so happy with this week's episode with Whitney, last week's episode with Bradley, real mature Bradley, or whatever else you're not so happy with. So again, the number is 657-666-HATE. As always, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, rockabilia.com, the best place 
on the internet to get band merch. They have over half a million unique items you're not going to get anywhere else. Very, very cool stuff. I believe they're sending me some stuff this week. I'm very excited. I think I asked for a Morrissey shirt, uh, a Misfits shirt, something from Bad Religion, I think. You know, some of my favorite bands. They've got so much awesome stuff. So go over to rockabilia.com and check it out. 500,000 items. That's a lot. You only have to buy one or two, but they have 500,000. And if you use this promo code, you're going to save 15% off your entire order. The promo code is PCJabberJaw, J-A-B-B-E-R-J-A-W. So head over there, PCJabberJaw, and save 15% off anything you want at rockabilia.com. I want to take a quick second to thank all the members of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. You know who you are. We're up to 261 of you fine folks that help me keep the lights on around here, help me keep the show going week after week with great guests, great conversations. Thank you so much. If anyone who's not a member wants to check it out, for as little as $6, you get bonus episodes, merchandise shipped to your house. Uh, merchandise you can purchase, which is only available for Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club members. We have a great Facebook group with so much great discussions. I do a monthly Q&A session. Sometimes I play some tunes. It really is a good vibe. And it, again, like I said, it's only $6 a month to start. So check it out. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access, and that'll get you in. So do me a favor, have a look at that. And it really is just the price of one gourmet cup of coffee. And if you're like me, I don't even drink coffee anymore. I cut that shit out. So maybe you got to stop drinking coffee and sign up for the All Access Club. That's what I'm telling you to do. Check it out. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash All Access. Anyway, let's jump in to this week's episode and my conversation with Whitney Payton. I'm just a ghost now, just a ghost now My home is lonely and it's looking like a ghost town I don't feel like this is real life Gotta tell me straight, what's the deal? I never knew what commitment meant Now I'm here trying to fix this mess Every night I close my eyes and I pretend that you're in this bed You swear to God that I'm unfaithful, I swear to God that I am That's a lot of swearing, that's why I'm cursed But I deserve it because Back before you I wasn't a perfect person and I can see why you would think how do you dirty hey Whitney how are you good how's it going I'm pretty well good we've been, awesome we've been trying to do this for for like a week yeah but you you were sick last time right I was sick and then I heard you got in a van wreck oh my god so many things have happened this tour <laughs> it, it was crazy uh yeah I was sick too though like I'm just getting my voice back as well so it's almost good like I was on all these steroids for my vocal cords oh really you were sick and I'm like this is like going around or something and then yeah and then uh the the whole tour rig had to be replaced for the whole tour, so. thing yeah well we we were actually able to fix the trailer but we had to do that as well but i had just purchased a 2018 suv and it's gone oh <laughs> and, my god yeah yeah but it's okay is it's there okay. like we're not gone so that's i mean good. hopefully there's some insurance or something can get figured yeah, out there is there is there is i know that but stuff you know, can all be weird you know like because it's like well are you using it for business purposes does it say that on the insurance right. form like it can be scary and a lot of people don't realize like 
How also, I scary. wasn't driving. So, I mean, but I do have other drivers covered because I obviously know that I tour, but yeah. it's in Memphis too. Like my car's in Memphis. Oh <laughs> so yeah, that's not like convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like all those factors. It's like I do have insurance, but the added cost for other things is definitely up there because you still have to, you know, when it gets towed, pay to get it out or pay to pay for the trailer wasn't cheap either to get right. all that fixed. So, you know how it is. Well, at least we're talking about that and not talking about like how last week someone in your band is fucking dead. Do you know right. what I mean? Like exactly. you have to look on the bright side with, with this. And, and I feel like that's you. I feel like you're uh you're kind of a positive person despite some of your lyrics and subject matter getting pretty dark at times. Yeah. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I would say there's a good balance. You know what I mean? I would (laughs) say there's a balance of, there's certain songs that are definitely darker and like storytelling songs or relationship songs that are darker. Um, But then there are some just fun, just silly songs on the flip side of that. You know what I mean? That I think kind of balances it out. And also people say they listen to darker songs and it makes them feel better. So yeah. it's it's as long as the overall like reaction is positive and it comes out positive and it's not like telling people to do bad things or whatever. It's it's I'm I'm cool with that, I think. It's so you know. weird though, you know, like you bridge this gap between, you know, hip hop and like, I don't know if you want to call it punk rock or, or like what, you know, yeah. just the, the scene genre, like, you know, kind of the typical bands that, that I talk to on this show and you do, you do kind of a great job of it. But I always wonder when I talk to artists like this, it's, is it hard to kind of try to fit into, you know, both genres at the same time? It's kind of that whole round hole you know, square peg, whatever the analogy is like th- that must be so difficult for you trying to figure out kind of where you're going when you're working on music. It is. I mean, already from my image, it's different. I mean, you hear mm-hmm. rapper and then you see, see my image and it's just like, they already don't know what to do with me because of that. And then, uh, you hear like several different genres on one album. It's, it's definitely confusing, but I'm, I, would rather it be like a roller coaster of emotions and everything mm-hmm. than one thing the whole way through. I don't want you to listen to an album and you feel like you're listening to the same song over and over. Uh, so I'd prefer that even though it is harder to place because people just want you to be one thing and a really recognizable gimmick and they know exactly what you what you are and what your next song is going to sound like. And, uh, you know, I'm just I just can't kind of conform to doing one sound no so. no no I'm, I'm i'm the same way with with music that i make too and i think that that it would be boring you know to kind of just try to do the same thing every time it's like you know you, you bring up i think you said it a couple times you know talking about like emotion and talking about you know how you write a song that has you know uh sorry to sound like a like a, a millennial but like you know it hits them in the feels you know what i mean like that isn't something that is classically like a part of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like old school yeah. hip hop is kind of more like either about partying, you know, or getting I mean, fucked up or, or like violence. Do you know what I mean? I it isn't. The storytelling thing is, I think a storytelling thing is very like Eminem. If you look at Eminem's earlier work, I think like storytelling is definitely sure. it. But as far as emotional and relationships, you're right because. There is this whole thing in hip hop that you got to be hard and that yeah. you got to be, yeah. you know, lack emotion when it comes to relationships and whatnot. But I'm not 
from the ghetto and I'm not hard. <laughs> I'm not trying to give off the impression that I'm gangster rap or anything like that. Right. So it's, it's really weird because I'm, I'm, I'm delving into rap and hip hop, but still maintaining what I know. Like I'm only putting in my lyrics what I know and have experienced. So um, it kind of brings a different element. So because as hip hop has expanded outside of just gangster rap and, and being mm -hmm. hard, it kind of, you know, this is what it's kind of becoming and, and turning into it's definitely multiple genres of hip hop. I mean, we have the the mumble rap and trap rap. And, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I, I don't everything. claim I don't claim to be well versed in this at all. By the way, <laughs> uh, you know what it's I mean. Like I, rock. I, it's just like rock. There's multiple genres sure. of rock. Oh, so absolutely, multiple, absolutely. Know. I don't claim to be an expert on that either. To be honest with you, but <laughs> uh, so um, I know you're from Philadelphia. That's something that you you know talk about a lot. Um, maybe we should start you know back in Philly. Uh, where are you calling me from today? By the way. Phoenix because okay. a couple months ago I actually moved here. I moved to oh. Phoenix. Yeah, I lived in uh, like the outskirts. I'm from like Northeast Philly, like the outskirts of Philly uh, my whole life. And then I just moved to Phoenix recently uh, because I kind of wanted to be closer to LA without the expense. Yeah. And then also like the studios I work out of are out here. So I was flying back and forth a lot. Um, a lot of my friends are out here like asking Alexandria and right. Matt Good. Matt Good yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of easier. And my manager lives out here. So it's, it's kind of, it was easier um, to have a home base here and it's a lot less expensive than Philadelphia Yeah, for um, sure. in a lot of ways. So for sure. that's funny. Know. I asked you that because I was looking at your tour dates. And I saw, you know, basically you just wrapped up like going around the whole country. And then I see this like random week off where you play like Texas and then you have some <laughs> days off in Arizona. I'm like, what's she doing for a week? But now it all makes sense because you live yeah, there. Yeah, it's ending here because yeah. I live here. So we were like, let's have it on a weekend. <laughs> yeah, so it, we can. It works. You know? Totally, it totally, totally makes sense. So, okay. But, but back to the, the Philly days, uh, growing up there. Um, what was it like for you? You know, um, did you have, you know, a classic kind of upbringing with two parents and brothers and sisters? Uh, what was it like, uh, growing up there in Philadelphia? I did. I mean, I have, uh, yeah, my mom and dad have been together my whole life and I have a younger brother and I mean, it, it just, there's a lot of art and history in Philadelphia. So, I mean, that's really kind of what kickstarted it for me. None of my uh, you know, parents or family members are musical in any way, but uh, just Philly itself is really artistic. Mm -hmm. And like, I really was getting into spoken word and I was getting into, because that's massive in Philadelphia, spoken word and slam poetry. Yeah. Um, and I was just really into poetry. And I remember just writing that a lot and I was writing everything a cappella. So it was quite a transition because I wasn't used to any kind of instrumentals. I was just doing this all a cappella. But again, I was on the I was on the outskirts, so I didn't really have too many people to practice with unless I went right into Philadelphia. And that that's how I got my start going right into Philly for all the, the studios there and everything, because I grew up in a similar town as Pink. I don't know. You know, uh, Pink went to the same high school as me. Oh, oh. So, what's the name of the city? Or town well, or village? He's or... from Doylestown, but I, okay. we're both from Bucks County, so that's right on the outskirts, like the cusp of Philadelphia. Right, so right. No, I'm a suburb was... kid too, so I, I kind of know. Yeah, Doylestown, what is like cool, is like yeah. a half an hour from from Philadelphia, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Doylestown might be a little farther. I'm a little closer to Philly, and then uh -huh. you know, I got my start. My first shows ever were in Philly. My first recording, so I was like there constantly. So yeah, that's definitely 
what I claim, you know, I'm always uh, rep in Philadelphia, even though I'm from right, right outside. So it's, uh, but that's kickstarted me. Philly kickstarted me. And um, everything I've done and recorded was there, you know, up until my most recent stuff. Sure. With no, it's, Matt. it's funny, you know, I, I have a lot of, um, you know, kids that, that'll come up and, and show me like, hey, I wrote these lyrics and, you know, and I'm, I'm always like, yeah, these are like good lyrics. And I'm like, do you like, do you have a band? They're like, oh, I can't play anything. And I like, don't, I don't have like a, you know, I don't, I'm like, well, you get a guitar, you know, or, or figure something mm-hmm. out or, or it's like, you're almost the opposite of that. Like you just wrote some words down and you worked on your craft and you made it work either with using other people or, or just figuring it out yourself with a computer, which is like kind of the new approach. And I think it's really viable and you've made it work. Is, is that, was that, am I accurate in kind of describing how you sort of got your music off the ground at least originally? Yeah, you're right. Because I mean, if you're usually right in the city with rap where it's bigger right there like in in the heart of philly and stuff like that they had people to freestyle with on the corners and this and that and i just kind of was interested in it and i did poetry and that's spoken word is different than rap in the sense that rap follows more of a rhythm and spoken poetry you can take these pauses and it's more abstract so Mm -hmm. it took me a second to kind of transition i knew i liked music and i wanted to do music and have it somehow transition into me making songs rather than just free verses that I was just like abstractly like I don't know if abstractly is a word but we just made it one uh, that I was just that I was just kind of freestyling stuff and I had no one kind of there around me to like make me better so it took me a second to 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 really transition it and start meeting other musicians that were indie or underground musicians. Right. Um, because too, at the time, like way, like back in the MySpace days, it started to become easier to find other musicians and easier to find like beats and stuff. I didn't even know you could like, I had no idea you could go online and just find like, like beats with no vocals and, and I could practice on that. Yeah. I had no clue. So I was doing everything acapella and then I, I paid for studio time. I went to a studio and I was like, Oh, I have a rhyme book full of, full of all these poems and stuff. This is going to be easy. I've been doing spoken word for, you know, a long time and I can make this work, but I got my ass kicked because <laughs> I tried to put it on instrumentals and I hadn't written any of the stuff to those instrumentals, right. you know? So I go in there thinking, Oh, this is going to be easy. I'll just be able to lay something over a beat. It's not like that. You have to usually be listening to the tempo and, and everything. And, and I just had written stuff down and then you have lines that are longer than other lines. You're trying to fit all these syllables in where it doesn't fit yep. and you start to learn, okay, I got to ride the instrumental. Now I'm working with something else. It's not just about the vocals and lyrics. Now there's another element that totally. I, they got to, they got to complement each other. You can't, you know, just throw anything on there. So that was the transition. So it was a little rough. I know my first couple songs, they probably sounded more like me talking over the beat well, than actually, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, this is not news to anybody, any musicians out there. <laughs> Everyone's first shot at recording anything is terrible. Like, I mean, <laughs> I can't think of a single example. Like, I mean, maybe like some of the Beatles guys, like their first bands were probably pretty good, you know? Uh, like, but maybe the first Rage Against the Machine record is very good. I, I, from what I understand, like the demos that they did, but Hey, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, that's crazy. You know, and I wanted to ask you, you know, you're aligned, you've aligned yourself now with, with punk and hardcore, obviously like making, you know, um, records with Matt, you know, you mentioned Matt good from, from, from first to last, and Ben of Asking Alexandria, and now on Tragic Hero uh, Records, which is 
you know, known to be a metal hardcore punk label. Was that something growing up that you were into as well? Like the, the Philadelphia punk scene? I was definitely into pop punk. I can't say that I knew many bands that were local. I just was into like some 41, <laughs> yeah. you know, blank 182. See, some 41 was thing, local so. for me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there that's funny. Go. Yeah. So you knew those guys before they were probably popular. And I kind of, yeah, I kind of knew them. They were, they were uh, like, they were weird. They were, they were like, they were a band, sorry to go off on a little tangent here, but they were like big right away. Like they were like a famous local band almost like they were doing all this cool stuff, which, which at the time was actually pretty groundbreaking. I know now it would just sound ridiculous, but like they, they used to do, uh, well they had these trampolines on stage, like these mini trampolines, which was like pretty cool. And then they'd also do these like sort of like dance moves where they would like point their guitars in certain directions and they really like put on a show. Which for a local band that you most most of us could barely play our songs, let alone think about <laughs> what we were going to do for like the actual entertainment aspect, they like got that like right away. And then they were always like, I never saw them playing like hall shows or whatever. I always saw them playing like opening for like bigger bands that came through town. So they were always on like a higher level, you know. But uh, That's but when they got he- like when they got signed to you know major label and they were on like. You know, well, we, in Canada we have much music, which is you know kind of like our version of MTV. When they when that all happened to them, I was like, I knew it was going to happen because they just were better than everyone else. You know. So. Yeah, well, I think yeah, and I think you know, listening to the pop punk and stuff, I didn't believe that I was going to incorporate that into my sound necessarily, but I was definitely inspired by the performance aspect, like you were just saying. Like oh, yeah. I, I liked the fact that. I like to think even with me, if you watched one of my shows on mute, you would think that I'm a rock artist just because I like to mosh and crowd surf and I I really utilize the entire stage. So it's I I liked that aspect of it. So I think that's how it started to become incorporated because I was like, you know, I just don't want to be one of those rappers standing in the same spot, just rapping over my full track. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. That's amazing. But (laughs) go on, go on. Yeah. And then I started, I mean, there there are times and on this last tour, I just used like uh, a backing tracks of me. So I didn't use live instrumentals, but there are times that I do. I'll use full band. There are tours that I've used just drums and DJ. And then, so I can switch it around. So I like that aspect because I can kind of be a chameleon with it and uh, use what I need to use. But I do like having, uh, you know, the instruments on stage with me because the energy is just so big in comparison and, and having the drums up there, you really, really feel it. And I think, um, it's an important thing. And I just, yeah, I think that gets lost sometimes now. No, totally. And I'll, I'll, I'm not, again, I'm not really a rap guy at all, but I remember I was, um, I was dating a girl that lived in Detroit and her friend was like the morning radio host on like one of those like pop radio stations. So we, we were able to go to this event and it was like at some sports bar like it was it was pretty big there was probably like seven or eight hundred people there so like for like a sports bar it was like a big you know kind of event and it was it was flow rider and <laughs> and uh teo cruz you know the i put my yep. hands up in the air sometimes that guy and uh they went you know they performed and whatever they like went on super late and i was like expecting that but i couldn't believe that they literally just played their cd 
verbatim, like they, the vocals weren't even taken out. Like the vocals were in there and they literally just turned their microphone up over their CD, but you could still hear their vocals on the tracks and they just performed yeah. like that. Like Flo Rida, this mean, is like a pretty serious artist. Like this wasn't like way long ago. Like he was huge. I couldn't yeah, believe, I, I like how is that okay? But I've never seen him perform it. I mean, I guess when you have a hit song, it doesn't matter as long as you're, it's more of an appearance than even a performance. Right. Because it's like, okay, yeah, okay. You know, and so it's like, I think the, uh, the kids that are there or whatever, or you said it was a bar, I don't know how many kids are there, but like people are just happy to see him in person and they kind of forget about the fact that they're not even really performing. And right. it, it's funny because now like you're almost expected to kind of do that because now it's like, oh, she was kind of breathy and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I'm rapping everything in person. Like, and moving around so it's kind of like if they don't hear it sometimes if fans don't hear it how it is on the cd they're like why was it like this or why was it like it's like well we're performing everything live and you know there's going to be some breaths that you hear there's going to be some things like that but now with everything even it, it blew my mind being more introduced in the last year or two to the band world how many things are backtracked in the band world too well yeah yeah so, you're not wrong and i didn't know that i didn't know that at all like i didn't even know they were being fed click like i had no idea about bands you know oh, yeah. so i'm like oh you hear the click in your ear that's you know that's cool and everything but also all the instruments they could stop playing and it's still playing you know and i'm like <laughs> yeah, sometimes that blew my mind and i'm not saying for all of them you know what i mean but well, i was no, just like no. okay that but it's almost expected probably of bands now because if you don't sound perfect now that they're getting to the point where so many bands are doing it so they expect that level of perfection and not realizing that it's mostly on a track <laughs> like i don't know yeah that's crazy I, I guess i mean i guess maybe maybe flow riders just being honest uh i don't you know, know but yeah. I, I, another one too i saw one time it was um i was in las vegas on new year's and, and it was like you know you know when you watch like new year's on on tv it's like usually they show like the new york one or or whatever, where I live, they show the Toronto one, and I get, but I guess they're all regional, so I was in Vegas, but I was, like, feeling sick, so I, uh, well, it's Vegas, and uh, I was watching, like, the Vegas version, and they had Sean Kingston, and he was mm-hmm. doing the same thing as Flo Rida, except he wasn't even trying, and he was just, like, sort of, like, <laughs> lip-syncing for a minute, and then he just didn't care, and he was just dancing, and then he just, like, swore on TV, and I was like, man, that guy, like, that's fucking punk, like, he doesn't. That guy doesn't care at all. Like, you say what you want about rock bands or, or or rap or whatever, and like how rock's more real. Or, but I mean, that guy did could just he couldn't have given a fuck, you know. And it's a huge stage. Like he knows, and he didn't care at all. And, and I just like I don't know this this whole these whole differences in this world, and, and something I don't get to talk to someone else about very often. And it, I find that stuff very intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how, I guess you get to a level where you're like, Hey, it's a head song regardless if I perform it. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it, right. what it is. You're like, the audience is going to sing it. So I don't have to sing it kind of thing. I don't, I don't know what is going through your mind at that point, but it's <laughs> like with me, I get, you definitely, and I, I'm not trying, it's not like, woe is me or whatever, but when you have a different image to hip hop or whatever, you have a lot to prove. And it's like, I couldn't just go up and do that and get away with it. Like I'd, I'd hear a lot of backlash. So, and I, I prefer not to, I'd rather sure. actually do it live. I prefer to do it live. I think it would be harder to match a track. <laughs> like I, I think it would, 
you sound cluttered because uh, I leave a lot of my choruses in because of the fact they're really stacked and there's like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of vocals or harmonies or whatever. So I try to leave different parts that I can't do all of it live, you know, but yep. my verses, my verses aren't there. So I'm doing that um, all live and it takes a lot of practice to really get it and get the breath control and be doing it while jumping around. So I just take a lot yeah. of pride in that. So when you do see other musicians much, much, much bigger than you and they're just basically hitting their ad libs or backup vocals and not even doing their mains and and just kind of clowning around it's like oh man <laughs> it's kind of a bruise to the right yeah. no no totally me and whitney will be right back here's a quick word from our sponsor we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Did you know 66% of men lose their hair by age 35? The thing is, is once you start to notice the hair loss, it's already too late. It's much easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. Is it starting to move backwards? Are there bald spots? And why do guys turn to solutions, unproven solutions, when they can turn to medicine and science? But there's a solution. 4hims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness, and just for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. We're talking about well-known equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. This isn't snake oil pills or back gas station counter supplements. These are real prescription solutions backed by science. It's easy. Go to 4 answer a few questions, a doctor will review it and prescribe it to you. There's no waiting room, there's no awkward doctor visits, and the products are shipped directly to your door. But here's the thing. If you order now, my listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for details. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. So go to 4hymns.com slash LSS. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash LSS. 4hymns.com slash LSS. And do something about that hair. Well, you just wrapped up your, was it your first headline tour? Yeah, it was. I mean, I've done headlining spot dates and uh, routed shows to and from yeah, other tours where sure. I was supporting, but for the most part, yeah, it was my first national headlining tour. That's, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. I guess you haven't wrapped it up yet. You still have a couple more dates. Um, if yeah. People can, yeah, they're next weekend. So I don't know if this will be out, but if the dates are still up, everyone go see Whitney. Um, but, you know, you, I feel like you did it right. You started, you know, in Philly in your hometown and you sort of branched out and you kind of grew your radius, you know, slowly. And, and now you're doing, you know, a national tour, but you've mentioned, you know, in other interviews and stuff that it hasn't been so easy for you. Um, either being taken seriously, uh, you know, you mentioned your image a couple times. Uh, talk to me about a little bit about that. Like when you started seeing some success and, and, and how hard it was to kind of continue that and push along. Yeah, I mean, I think now is a good time because I think we're in an era where female fronted bands and just female artists in general are starting to be a little more celebrated and, Mm -hmm. 
taken seriously, especially like, as I just said earlier in hip hop, it's everyone's trying to look really hard and really, you know, they, they don't want to look like they have emotions or they're soft or whatever. So in a list, if you're going to ask someone, who are your top five, you know, favorite MCs or favorite artists, they're not usually going to list a woman because they're, that doesn't make them look hard. <laughs> so, hmm. I mean, that just, so to be up there, usually it's like, this is my favorite female. Like that's usually, and, and people say that to you and I take it, you know, I still take it as a compliment because I know they're trying to compliment me. But a lot of times they'll come up and be like, you're my favorite female rapper. And <laughs> it's just kind of like, man, you can't just say like one of my favorite rappers or something like that. It's always like the female things in there. Right. And then you're always being compared to other female artists, whether they're similar to you or not. Like I could, <laughs> they'll, they'll name a female artist and I could name probably 10 male artists that I'm closer to than that artist, right. you know, but that's, a continuous thing. So as far as, yeah, being taken seriously, as far as, as both a woman or someone who doesn't look like the average stereotype of what a hip hop artist should look like, uh, that's kind of been the struggle. But I think now as so many genres are starting to fuse and it's, it's blurry, the, the lines between genres are just kind of blurred now, which I think is an amazing thing because totally. uh, we label things too, too much and categorize it too hard. And, and I think as that's starting to kind of disappear, it's becoming easier and easier. But of course, when I first started out, there wasn't even like Iggy Azalea or even like Kesha yet or anything oh, like sure, that. Oh, sure, and, sure, and, and I'm not saying I'm similar to them, but that was there wasn't even any of that yet. So it was very like left field and people were, were kind of like, well, what are you going to sound like? What are you going to rap about? Like, what kind of things do you have to rap about as if I had to rap about? you know, guns or violence or whatever. <laughs> and that's not the case. I've obviously proved mm, it with, uh, you know, relationship songs and stuff like that, but it's not what people expect to hear. So, um, as, as far as being taken seriously too, I mean, I know I have songs like whoopty woo woo or songs like I have a song called, I hate my roommate, which is supposed to be funny and quirky and dumb. And sometimes they make those songs on purpose and then people are like, Oh, I can't take her seriously. Do you think I'm trying to be taken seriously with that song. <laughs> so there are certain songs that I, I do want you to take seriously and they're deeper. And then there's certain songs that are just supposed to be what they are, just quirky and fun and dumb. They're not supposed to be overly technical on people. I, and, you know, I'm sure as a rock artist, like not everything has to be technical and showing off. Sometimes the best right. riffs and everything are so simple and it's how it's, it's more so how the song makes you feel than whether you know, the person is showing off their skill or not. It's just really the, the, the timeless songs are the ones that make you feel some type of way. No, no, you know abs what I mean? absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my question wasn't about you being a woman uh, at all. I'm, I'm but, sorry. I kind of went, <laughs> no, I, I know you did. And it was, no, no, I mean, it's fine. I, I hope people weren't, you know, I hope you didn't think my question was trying to point at that, you know, being saying, no, Oh, no, you weren't no. taking seriously because you're a woman. I wasn't, that wasn't my question at all. But it is true. You are a woman and you're a woman mm -hmm. in hip hop, which is very male dominated. And I mean, I guess the, my question, I'll ask you this question. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Um, <laughs> would you, do you think that, that rap is the most misogynistic genre of music or do you think in some ways rock is worse? Oh man. Uh, I don't know. I think it could be just the entertainment industry overall. And uh -huh. I know yeah. your initial question. Yeah, I know it wasn't gender. No, no, know, no. I, I mean, gender. But that is one of the sure. reasons I think that, you know, I'm not taken 
seriously, that sure. could be that could be one of the reasons, one of you know a, a couple. But but yeah, I think I mean hip hop definitely the overall theme of hip hop is pretty sexist. There's a lot of sexist like subject matter in a lot of people's lyrics um, and kind of objectifying women. Uh, I think yeah, I mean overall like hip hop or not though, I've gone on tour and I've had like. For instance, I toured with a front of house, a member of my crew was the front of house and it, it was a woman. And so going into different venues and stuff, talking to the uh, sound guy there, I don't think she would be taken seriously until she st- starts dropping all this, these terms and that, <laughs> that indicate she knows what she's talking about. So, and, and those sound guys aren't necessarily in hip hop. They're just in the entertainment world. So they're like, oh, this girl doesn't know how to run sound or anything. And right. then she starts dropping some knowledge and it's like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> you probably know what you're talking about. So I just think overall entertainment, it's kind of, it's kind of tough because, you know, being male dominated, they just probably don't come across a lot of women who do, uh, this kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah, they're just not used to coming across it, but that doesn't uh, mean that they don't know what they're doing. So, well, <laughs> you know. hear and you hear the stories all the time about women going in to a show, like performing, and and someone being like, "Oh, you know, where's your boyfriend?" or or like <laughs> or 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 venue people asking to see your laminate, and then when they and not the other like you know men, and I hear right. those stories all the time. And f- f- as a male performer, fuck, I I don't even wear my laminate. I usually lose it in the first couple of days and don't even have it the whole tour. You know what I mean? So hearing those stories, it's like, it's kind of eye opening that, that the struggle is real. Pardon the, the, you know, shitty, uh, millennial quote, but like, I've had that happen. Yeah. yeah, Have you had those experiences? Are there any (laughs) like stories you can, you can share? And you know what? It's, I, I'm not even trying to sound woe is me. I'm a woman because sometimes it's other women who do these things because I was in, I was backstage about to go on stage. I had my microphone in my hand, you know, so I'm about to go on stage and this other, this girl that was there and I'm not sure who she was or if she worked for the venue or what, but she was, she was backstage and she goes, Oh, are you one of the band guys, girlfriends? And I was like, no, I'm on the tour. And she's like, Oh, so you sell merch. Oh, wow. Like, Cause I said, I'm on the tour. So she goes, Oh, so you sell merch. Jeez. And I'm like, and then I, and then I go on stage, of course, like my intro starts and I go on stage and I think she was probably like, Oh shoot. You know, but I mean, and that was a woman, that was a woman talking to me. Yeah. So I'm not, it's not all guys that, that make these assumptions. Sometimes other women, they're not used to seeing it either. So they, yeah, they start to assume that, yeah, you're one of the guy's girlfriends or you work merch or you must, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. No, absolutely. Well, one thing that's that's kind of crazy about about you and your career so far is just the diversity of other artists you've toured with. Um, I, I have a little list here. I'm going to share. I, I know you know you've toured with all these people, but we've got um, Asking Alexandria, Three Six Mafia, Twisted, Cottonmouth Kings, Johnny Craig, Blood on the Dance Floor, Jelly Roll. I don't know who that is. Uh, Asking Alexandria. Did I already say that? Uh, mm-hmm. and you have upcoming festivals with Tool and Alice in Chains, and you're doing a Warp Tour date. So you, you, <laughs> you've got a lot of stuff you know, in the past and coming up. Um, you must have the, some of the craziest stories, and <laughs> I, how do you get hooked up with all these different artists? I guess it keeps well, it interesting. Weird. Like we were saying earlier, it's hard to place me, so it's just like I end up 
on really random things. And, and luckily I can adapt to whatever I'm going to do. Like when I open for asking, I used a full band. When I open for three, six mafia, I use a DJ, you know, so yeah. I, I can adapt and I'll choose the songs out of my catalog that fit best with that act. You know what I mean? So sure. I can make it work. Um, but it's it's always been like we don't know exactly who you fit with. There's no other artist really exactly like you. So it's hard to place me on a tour. Like the booking agent is like, we really like you and believe in you, which is cool to have people around me that believe in me. But they also have a hard time being able to match me up with other artists um, just because it's so different. So um, I've been able to do all these things. And all of these acts are so different from each other. And what the tour experiences are like are so different from yeah. each other. So it, it's, it is really crazy. So I feel like I've learned a lot and been through a lot and have a lot of um, experience and growth because of it, because I've just seen so, like every aspect of the industry, I think. So it, it's been a wild ride. Totally. Well, I see you did like a 60 date. Is it a 60 date tour with three, six mafia you did? Yep. That's yep. I, first of all, I love three, six mafia. Like I would totally like fanboy so hard over the, over them. Like, I love them. What was... They're like, amazing. Yeah, like, that's a legendary band that's been doing it forever. Like, When the Smoke Clears is one of my favorite hip-hop records, like, ever. What is it like going into a situation where there's a band like that and you have to just kind of be like, oh, hi, you know? Like, is that nerve-wracking for you? Yeah, but I already knew Gangsta Boo, which is the okay. female in the van. Like, I already had a song out with Gangsta Boo. Um, I'd already talked to her and hung out with her several times. So she's one of the reasons that I was able to be on that tour. I mean, I was already approached regarding it, but then when they ran me past the band, Gangsta Boo already knew who I was. So that kind of solidified me being one of their supporting acts, you know what I mean? So um, I didn't know everyone else. So I was meeting, you know, DJ Paul, I didn't know, and Crunchy Black and Koopsta and all these guys I hadn't met before. So it was definitely an experience meeting them. And, and it was really cool. But you really get to know people throughout a 60-day tour. Yeah, so that's a long one. You know, you get comfortable and everyone knows each other's routine and everything like that. Um I was on a different bus than them. So they had their own bus that we called the Beverly Hills bus. <laughs> and then <laughs> Why did you call was, it that? Well, because they had the nice bus and then we were oh. on the bus that was like the Compton bus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like they were in like the Beverly Hills bus. And then all the supporting acts were in our own bus. And there was just so many of us in there. And uh, it, so it was like the Compton bus, you know. So, um, <laughs> but we've had we had a lot happen to us on that tour and it was just wild every night we had a lot of shows get shut down due to fights and everything because three six really riles people up i mean oh there's, yeah there's like mosh pits and people like every time the show cleared out there'd be at least three shoes on the floor blood like beer like it was like crazy the aftermath of what the club looked like afterwards but um, you know, a few of them had to get shut down in Denver. We had tear gas thrown into the venue. Oh my goodness. So show over after that. But yeah, it was, <laughs> they couldn't get to the mosh pit. They couldn't get to the center where people were fighting. So all of a sudden you just see tear gas get thrown in and then you just couldn't breathe anymore. So the set was just cut and it's just like, it was insane. It was, I was like, this is chaos, but in the best way possible because it was just it, like seeing people's reactions to three, six and being so excited to hear songs that were just classics and seeing them all together. Cause that was like really their first tour. Yeah. They had done so many like award shows and, and big things before, but they were just like, it was really their first kind of like all together doing a full tour. 
and people were stoked. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I'd seen it. Uh, that's crazy. And another one too, um, just to really, you know, um, uh, change directions here is twisted. And, you know, I don't know if everyone listening knows what twisted is, but it's kind of like a side project of, of, um, uh oh my god a biggest brain fart insane ever clown posse? insane clown posse well, they're, uh, they're their own group they, they so are their like own group but they're project. very aligned yeah. they're very aligned with yeah. them oh i thought there were there were some similar members or someone's cousin or something but i don't know no uh, they're two oh, okay. separate guys okay. i know you know insane clown posse. i know you know and but the same genre the same genre right yeah. and I know you've played you've done tons of stuff with them and some collaborations, and you've also played The Gathering of the Juggalos. Yeah. Tell me about that, because <laughs> that is what I'm really intrigued about. The, when I first started rapping, I actually didn't know what Juggalos were. So it's <laughs> like, I just remember one of my first shows, and it was actually in, you're like, you're in a touring band, so I'm sure you know, it was Croc Rock in Allentown, yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know okay. it very well. It doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. Oh, but, really? Uh, Oh, yeah, I feel like I was just there sure a couple years ago. Down. Okay. Yeah, within the last couple of years. They had good down, pizza, really good pizza there. They did. But yeah. that was one of my first venues. Being being like right outside of Philly, I would play Philly a lot, and then I would play in the Lehigh Valley a lot. So sure. I remember when like press kits were still physical press kits, and you weren't sending like EPKs to people. <laughs> you were actually sending – you were actually like physically had like – uh, press kits in an envelope and printed out like shows you have done and like pictures <laughs> and stuff. I like went into Croc Rock and I was like had a press kit and I was super like young teenager and I was just like, hey, I really want to play a show here. Like I rap and stuff. And they're looking at me like, yeah, okay. But they were like, all right, well, we have a show tomorrow with ABK, who was a person also signed to Insane Clown Posse's label, uh-huh. you know, and I was like, and I didn't know who that was, but I just knew he was a rapper. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, I'll play. They're like, you can play right when doors open. Like, you're going to go right on. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I just thought, I'm making it. I have a show. Like, I'm killing it. You know, so I was so excited. And then I show up for the show and I go on stage and everyone has painted faces. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, what? Like, I, I thought I was, it looked like a Kiss concert or like, <laughs> I, I had no it. idea what was going on. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, this is either going to be really bad or, you know, or they're going to love it. I have no idea. I can't tell. So, but I, I rapped and they were really into it. They, they, Juggalos were one of the first fan bases that super embraced me. And I think it's just because they're used to things that are different and they embrace things that are different yeah. and that not, not the mainstream doesn't always gravitate towards and they they appreciate it regardless as long as they can relate to what you're saying and everything and even though i clearly you know i didn't have a painted face or or a rap about they're used to like a hardcore genre and i don't really do that but they can tell that i'm being myself and they appreciate that so it went over really really well and then since then i was just invited to play all these juggalo things so it's been something that i've been able to do throughout my whole career is is go back and play juggle related shows whenever and have great reactions and the fans are awesome. That's, and yeah. I've heard that from other people too. They're great. They're, they're really awesome. I mean, they look menacing like to other people. They're like, Oh, that looks really scary. But for the most part, they're just like really like comic book nerds and just people who are just always felt like an outcast kind of thing. So it's, it's always been really good for me. I can see how other people come in, not knowing what's going on and they really <laughs> have a great time. But, um, for me, it was awesome in the gathering. Everyone should go to that at least one time because it is insane. Yeah, I, I like. I've just heard the rumors about it. I don't know much about it, but I've heard it's like it's just 
in, in total insanity. It is. They're shooting fireworks during people's sets. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> indescribable. So right. um, it's, it's just like, and I was made to think that I was going to do poorly at the gathering because of the fact, I don't know if you heard about Fila Tequila playing the gathering. Oh, I don't think so. I, I No, I don't think I heard. Well, there was. Do you know who Tila Tequila is? Yes, I do. Yes, okay. I do. I remember. Was it a shot? A shot of love or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was like on MySpace, and then they brought out the people, and it was like I'm bisexual, and it's like half girls and oh, half man. guys. I remember the whole thing. Well, she raps too. I don't know if she still does or what's going okay. on with her, but mm-hmm. she she raps too. So for a second, she had like a rap career going on. So they brought her out to the gatherings, and we're talking several years ago. This isn't recent, but they brought her out several years ago, and. People were just not excited about it because she's not really known to be a rapper. She just kind of – they felt it was fake, okay? So Juggalos yeah. don't like that. They don't like uh, like something that seems mainstream and just not genuine. They like things they can relate to and they just thought that she was coming out and making a joke of it and they thought she was mocking them kind of thing. So – they just threw things at her during her set. It just didn't end well. They were riding. <laughs> they were just not happy oh, that man. she was there. She was not welcome there. And and how she handled it, I think, was kind of poor because she was, as she was on stage, I think she was just she wasn't getting off. Like she was like she like refused and was kind of antagonizing him a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. After, yeah. So after a few things got thrown, she was kind of aggressive about it, and then it just welcomed so much more. <laughs> so. <laughs> People were like, you know, as a girl rapper, you're going to get stuff thrown at you. They're going to do all this and that. So I went in thinking like, okay, this could be bad. Like we don't know how this is going to go, but I don't want to just be scared to perform at places. Like I don't want to let that run my career. I don't want to let that, you know, dictate what I do and don't do. So I was just like, I'm going to do it. I think I can handle it better. I think I've already been introduced into this world. They already know me and I've done songs with a lot of artists they like. So I was like, we'll yeah. just see how it goes. And it was awesome. And it yeah. was a great reaction. No, so and I, and I think, I think like, I just approached it differently. Sure. And I think like Tequila Tequila doing like doing reality shows, like dating shows and stuff like that is everything that they kind of hate. I mean, from what I know about right. that kind of vibe. So it totally, totally makes sense. Do you ever, do you ever have like random juggalos coming out to your shows like your headline shows so it'll be like kind of oh, yeah. everybody and then there'll be like four or five dudes just like with their faces painted that must be yeah, kind of I mean, funny for your fans that don't realize you know that you're aligned with that i guess everyone maybe does i, mean, I don't know they probably know yeah because i've always been so eclectic so i think the fans that come out are such a melting pot anyway and generally they won't paint their faces coming out to my shows i think right. it's probably because i don't paint my face so you can tell though because they're wearing all the gear you know and stuff like that but it's it's like such a melting pot of fans that everyone's welcome and i I love that Juggalos have supported me through uh, throughout the years. And, you know, I don't know any of Tequila Tequila's raps. She could be awesome. <laughs> she, maybe not. But I just think she just approached it the wrong way. And, and, and with me, it's just like I've always said that everyone was welcome because who am I to, like, say if a certain fan base can't be into me? Like, I'm the most random act ever and I know how it feels to be told I can't do certain things or I don't fit into certain things so for you know so any fan is is welcome of course so I'm I'm just grateful for them that's awesome uh it's the last warp tour ever uh have you ever done sorry 
I was like, heck yeah, this is a good time to be on it, right? This is, yeah, this is the one. Uh, and you're playing the Phoenix Date, which obviously makes sense now, looking at my notes since you <laughs> live there. Um, are you excited for that? Is that something you, do you care about that? Is it just kind of another show? Like, how do you, how do you approach that? Because from my perspective, it's going to be a big deal for these fans coming out because people have been going to this, you know, it's the longest running festival ever. So people are going to come out and they're going to be very, you know, I think emotional that it's, that it's over. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to get on Warped Tour for years. So this is not just like another show to me. It's yeah. just, un- it w- it's on my bucket list. Uh, yeah. So it was South by Southwest and we just played that. Oh, yes. I was going to ask you about that. So, yeah. yeah. So it's like certain things that you always hear about is a Warped Tour, South by Southwest, like all these things. All of these were on my bucket list. And there's a good chance I'm playing more than just the Phoenix State. Uh, we're still working on a couple things here, but oh, cool. I, I understand how it is tougher this year because so many bands, I'm sure, want to play the farewell, you know, last yeah. warp tour. Um, so I see how it is. It, it is a little tougher for bands to be on the full full tour rather than you know just a couple of dates. But but we're pushing them. It's likely we're going to be on on a couple more. But I, it is. It's going to be awesome for me. I, the only thing I'm worried about is I know it's going to be like 125 degrees. <laughs> oh yeah, it's horrible in Phoenix. It's like. It's just awful. <laughs> I know. So that's, I think that's my only thing because I'm like, I have a really energetic stage performance. So I'm really hoping <laughs> that it's, it's going to go over as well. Like I'm going to be able to do it. And also the fans are going to be able to participate because I don't want anyone passing out. <laughs> that's yeah. The thing. Well, you got, you got about 25 minutes to get through. That's the good part. So I know you've done it a million times too. So yeah. Yeah. No, I'm it's, looking at you for, <laughs> Oh yeah. No, for like all the, the help. I no, like Phoenix, Phoenix and Vegas are always like the two worst shows. And like, you know, you never, you're not going to get like a random cold day in Phoenix. Like that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, I, maybe it'll be a cloudy day. Like, does that happen? I don't even know if that happens, but uh, it's rare. It's, it's either raining like a monsoon or it's just really hot. Yeah, and well, sometimes both. Rain would be. <laughs> I, you never want to hope for rain at Warp Tour, but maybe that maybe that show. Uh, how was South by? Because uh, South by Southwest, from what I understand, has changed over the last few years. Uh, how was your experience? What did, what did you did you get up to there? I mean, this was my first one, so I have no idea what to compare it to. Uh, but as far as like, I almost feel like I would have preferred to just be performing in the streets because everyone's in the streets. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, nothing against, obviously, the bars and venues get popping. When I performed, it was a little earlier in the day. It wasn't, like, at night, later at night where, you know, there's a million people in the bars yet. So, with my experience, I mostly, like, I was playing to the people inside, but then I'd also walk out in the street because I have a, a really good wireless mic. So, I, I'd be walking out in the street, rapping down the street and stuff, and everyone was stopping and taking pictures, and it was great. So, it was it was cool. I also did a rooftop show where I started like hanging off of the fire escape and they didn't really appreciate that so much <laughs> because I'm nuts and I hang off of stuff and drop off of stuff and like climb trusses and all this, uh, the kind of thing. But I started hanging off of this second story fire escape and people in the streets are all filming and whatnot. But then everyone's yelling at me like, get off of that, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but no regrets. It, it was fun. It was really cool. No, totally. Like a, a lot of the complaints, you know, artists say about it is that it's like not, it's not artist friendly in the way that there aren't really like fans there. A lot of it's just kind of like suits and industry people that are kind of just more there to like, you know, get drunk off free beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> than, than actually like, you know, check out new artists and stuff. 
I could see that. I could definitely uh, see that. But that's why, yeah, you start performing to the people out in the street and there you go. You start. To, you get some uh, legit fans there from it, go. and it was I just an experience that. too. Because then, when you're not performing, there's a lot of networking opportunities. Totally. There's a lot of other bands for you to find that you like. So yeah. it was. Aside from the actual performance, I kind of knew that's what it was going to be. I knew, hey, I'm going to this for the experience and also to network with other bands and and check everything out. And rather than I think I'm going to gain a million fans and sell a lot of merch. It, that wasn't like what I thought right. going into it. So, oh, yeah, you know. totally, totally. So it was cool. Cool. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I want to ask you about a couple things. Uh, one of them is all about bullies, big and small, <laughs> which is for those of you that don't know, is the Grammy award winning children's album, which came out a few years back, which Whitney is a part of. Yes. And it's a compilation album that has, I don't know, quite a few different um, tracks kind of geared towards kids dealing with, I guess, dealing with bullies and dealing with, you know, uh, children's issues. And it won, uh, you know, best Grammy, uh, sorry, won the Grammy Award. That's pretty crazy. Uh, and that was very early in your, in your career. What was that like for you at, at having that happen at the time? I mean, yeah, the album won the Grammy. So all of us involved, I mean, at, yeah, we're involved in the album that won the Grammy, but it's like, it was so weird because I didn't even know it was going to be submitted to it. You know, I was just kind of asked by a bunch of producers who were in Pennsylvania that were like, Hey, can you rap on this children's album? And at first I was like, no, because I mean, <laughs> most of, most of the, my music I make is like college kids and, and not geared towards children. Like I curse in my songs and stuff. So I didn't want to like make people think that I was a children's artist. Um, but they were like, Hey, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to charity. It, it's just yep. like a side project kind of thing. You don't have to do your normal music like that. You could just make sure you obviously don't curse in this and make it <laughs> to, to kids in like elementary school kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Like I understand, like I like being given challenges and, and you know, to do something that I don't normally do. So that's cool. So I did that. And then yeah, later it was submitted and got the nomination for Best Children's Album of the Year. Um, and we were up against the Muppets, like, soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, Disney and all this. And I was like, okay, there is just no way we're going to win this because everyone involved on the album was independent. Like, no one was signed to a label. It yeah. was just it was just so DIY, which is cool, which is, like, I love that. And we all did it for free. No one made any money. It was just all going to charity. But we flew out to the Grammy Awards. So oh, cool. We were at the Staples Center. So I was there. And you can look it up, I'm sure, on like YouTube. If you look up like my name in Grammy Awards or something, I'm sure you could see it. Because it was OK Go that announced the Grammy. So Sorry. OK Go announced us. And they said the album title. I was like, what? Like, we, like, we just, you know, with Disney and every, everyone else being everything else being out that year, it was just really shocking. And, and it was really cool for independent music to prove that that could happen yeah. on the level that we were on. So it, regardless of it being a genre, I don't normally do. It, it was definitely amazing. The only thing that got weird is then I went out on tour with three, six mafia not long after. So that when people, <laughs> when people were looking at my name, when people were like three, six mafia fans, but they were looking at my name, yeah. it was like children's album, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, <laughs> how you feeling what? with this nine millimeter to your grill? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, it was like so yeah, a little conflicting ideas there a little bit. Right. So I think that made it really crazy. People are looking up my name, they're seeing that. Um it, it was weird. So but hey, I'm grateful for it. I 
I'm glad that it happened. I got to experience that. It, it's awesome. And it's a great message too. You know, that's what struck me when I was looking it up. It's like, that's, that's something that's imp- was obviously important, uh, you know, in 2011 was important when I was a kid and is even more important today. So I think it's, you know, the whole idea of bullying and everything is, is really, is really important. So I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm grateful for it. Hopefully there will be many more Grammys for you in the future. And I'm I'm not kidding. You never know. You never know. So (laughs) um, Next it'll be for something like polka or something. And I'll be like, how did I get this? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, I always like look, and this is like kind of shitty of me to say this because there are legitimate artists in every genre that, that gets nominated for the Grammys. But sometimes you look at the lists. And you're like, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the categories, but like, I don't know. You'll look at some some category and be like, really? Like, were there even five albums that came out in that genre this year? Because I didn't hear about any. <laughs> you know? And like one of the one of the records I think that won Grammy like for something, it, it, you know, it sold like 250 copies or something. You know, like like yeah, it's just really it's it's really interesting somehow sometimes how like you know it's like it's like the there was that Olympian. I think that didn't actually know how to ski. Did you hear about this? Yes, it was snowboard. I thought was it oh, snowboard? I was one, one, one of the two. two. Yeah, and they and they ended up qualifying just by going to all the events that didn't have like enough people in it. Uh, so I feel like that's what you got to do is just make an album in every genre, <laughs> and and maybe you'll get maybe you'll get a Grammy. Yeah, because people don't realize there's like a hundred categories, but they only televise like what twenty. You know what I mean? Because that would be the longest televised event ever <laughs> yeah but there's there's a lot of categories that people don't know or hear about that that happen they're just not televised you know no no and and they aren't even category they aren't even televising the rock ones anymore now oh is, that's sad yeah i think avenge sevenfold like like boycotted it this year because of that or whatever so that's wild yeah it is it is kind of it's kind of weird, you know, considering you'd think rock would be kind of an important, I, I, if I'm people, maybe, maybe it's not rock, maybe it's just metal or something, but you'd think they'd be important, but I guess no one cares. So that's okay. That's crazy. Anyways, uh, I'll let you go, but what, what's coming up next? Uh, I know you have this Northern Invasion Festival with Tool and Alice in Chains, uh, a couple other dates. Uh, what can people, what can people check out? Yeah, there's a good chance I'm going to be doing a second leg of this headlining tour because I have a bunch of festival dates uh, announced. So I'm going to be doing also headlining shows in between those dates. And then also I'm releasing a song bi-weekly now through the summer. So I already have two different ones out, but I'm releasing like an album's worth of singles rather than just an album all at once. Everyone's really into streaming and Spotify, obviously. So I'm keeping up with this by you know, spreading out the singles so they can look forward to that. One just dropped this last Friday and then every other Friday I'm having something drop now through the whole summer. So that's, that's so sick. Something. That's yeah, great. That's amazing for into. your fans. I wish my favorite artists would do that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, cool. Okay. Well, um, let's, I always play music on this podcast. I'd love to leave the people with a tune. Uh, is there something I should play? Like one of your, you know, maybe a newer track, maybe something that you think would be good for people that haven't heard you before. Yeah. Sorry to put you um, on the spot. Oh no, that's cool. I could rap on the spot. I don't know. Should I go out rapping? Go out rapping. All right. Let's, let's see. 
I'm on this podcast, speaking odd facts. I know I'm different, but some other rappers are beyond whack. I'm off the dome, not a written like a contract. I know they see me in their eyes like a contact. <laughs> I've struggled, shit. Every day I'm hustling. I've played 10,000 people in the next day like a hundred. <laughs> I've played the empty rooms and even still I'm fucking loving it. I've been cheered, booed, heard I was dope and heard I wasn't shit. I'm on the phone with Shane, so now I'm bubbling. My career is getting hotter. So today is like another win. I'm losing my voice. I hear it cracking. I get it cracking. I'm on tour. My vans be crashing, but I don't need them. I'm driven by this passion. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate Woo! it. <laughs> I'm, I'm clapping. I'm clapping. That was sick. That was sick. I appreciate it. Damn, you killed it. All right. <laughs> but uh, you can still, I mean, you could go out with the song, go out with whatever you want. You could do Don't Lie to Me with uh Matt Good, but thank you for having me on the podcast. Don't lie to me with Matt Good. Yo, thank you for doing it, and uh, have a great show, hometown show in Phoenix. Hell uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and enjoy enjoy your summer, and uh, look forward to all the new tunes. All right, thank Thanks, you so Whitney. much. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah, all the best.
There is a tune from Whitney Payton, and we haven't had anybody freestyle on the show. That was super sick. Thank you, Whitney, so much for doing this. What a great episode. Thanks to her manager, Zach, for setting it up. Make sure you go out and see her uh, on the road when she comes to your hometown. Sounds like she's going to be doing lots more stuff and probably with all kinds of different bands. Who'd have thought she'd have a Juggalo fan base? That is <laughs> that is pretty awesome. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. Next week, we will be back again with an all-new episode. Make sure you're subscribed. If you dig the show, feel free to write an iTunes review, preferably five stars. And also, I want to thank our sponsors, rockabilia.com and 4hims.com, a new sponsor. Make sure if you're a man and you're losing your hair or it's starting to fade away, go to 4hims.com slash LSS. Again, that $5, that's, that's a hell of a deal, and that'll get you in the door, connect you with real doctors. So check that out. It's a good one. And I know this is going to be not what I do on this podcast uh, to end the show, but I already played a Whitney Payton song. She already freestyled for us, and all this talk of 3-6 Mafia has just gotten me revved up. So I'm going to end the show with a little 666 Mafia. Crank this shit up. For me, it doesn't get any better. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in. Peace and love, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, you old pussy-ass, cake-ass, punk-ass, trick-ass, suck-ass, fuck-ass. Food ass, pay white jelly packing ass, nigga. You better get your bitch ass up off the street, nigga. You got five seconds to get your hating oh, ass up out here because there's some trill ass niggas in this motherfucker. Yeah, nigga, y'all know the motherfucking scope. Y'all non snorters, non smokers, non sippers. Get the fuck up out of here, bitch. Nigga, it's some sipping ass, pouring up ass, smoking ass, getting high ass niggas in here. 3 6 UGK, nigga, we putting it down in this motherfucker. And we ain't playing with you. Y'all know the
on coke, eyes are bust, this bitch should've knocked it down, knock that out, make you fall asleep, when you're on them wheels, ain't no doubt, hit me when I beat, for this beat, feel once again, on my wicked high, gotta have that drink, get my neck, see, no, I feel like I'm gon' fucking bang, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, Southern Credo, quick fast, we'll put it on your ass like John Vito. Cause you front and rap singer, be creamy like a singer. You ain't from the major boy, but you get the middle finger. Hung danger, rum drinker, occasionally take your bitch to the tilly and be a dick and come slanger. When big bun comes, danger, nigga, ring your alarm. Sexy thing on my arm, cup of drink in my palm. Crazy shit, I'm tripping on some skinny bitches, something that's wholesome. Florida, the foesome for the most. I'm steady, sipping on some, sipping on some scissor. I want to give a huge shout out to the following members of the All Access Club for being so supportive. I love you so much. Shout out to Brendan Potter, Rainer Ho. Philip Kazirski, Julia Papalka, straight out of Buffalo, Nate Riley from Albuquerque, Jessica Balasio, Phil Fradkin, Calgary's finest, Melissa Gilroy, Edmonton's finest, Brandon Drescher, Gabby Marshall from Canberra, Australia, Seth Powers, Mo Horta, Anton Applerod, Robert Lewis, Ian Scott, Johnny Carroll, oh you sly dog, Caitlin Stevens, Cole Fenn, Evan Van Howe, Travis Reed, Aiden McLaughlin, Austin Beckman, Christina Springer out of Louisville, Drew McDonald, Rolden Kabate, Will Southard, Travis Hardy, Eric Layton, Tyler Burnworth, love that name, Derek Accurso, Nicholas Loveland, Brandon Dave, Trent McDougal, my boy out of T.O., Rigel St. Pierre, my other boy out of Toronto, Josh Lowe, Windsor's Finest, Rebecca Ferrero, Connor Lynch, Jeffrey Adams II, Thomas Mancini, Sarah Pauls, Andre Nielsen, Feet Kazmat, Victoria Var out of Sweden, Brandon Ray, Markham King, Lisa Buckland, Roy Stino, Cameron Lopez, Austin Amos, Connor Larson, Mary Beth Badler, nice to have you, Mary Beth, Ford Wesson, Julia Casada, Alina Anglin, Christian Harris, Jesse Basso, and Megan Marr. Perth, Australia, that's far away. Thank you so much, everybody, for being the sweetest. Love you all. Peace and love. See you next time. Sipping on some scissors.